Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. I don't know why. I'm so... this. How am I leading this stupid thing? How am I leading? Listen to that pick. That's how bad I am. SI's Russ Gellinger. Arizona's quarterback might be one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch in uh, in college football this year. He, he's just, he's electric. It's not always pretty, but he, he he's indicative of college football in general. It's not always pretty, but it's always fun. And SI's Pat Forty. They are... A 14-point underdog to Tennessee, according to the line I have seen. I wish it was 14 and a half, but I'll take 14. I think they can win outright. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I right, welcome to the pod Thanksgiving edition. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful this pod has me as the host because it would suck with just the two of you. <laughs> you know, I'm thankful for There's that, too. a dose of... <laughs> Of Thanksgiving humility, gratitude, holy did, crap. Did I say that out loud? Did I say that out loud? No, no. Right I'm off sorry. the bat, you have I'm one th- good week of picks and you're full of yourself. I know, 6-0 six six and, oh, and just yeah. strutting it. Uh, I am thankful for my co-hosts and I'm thankful for mm. producer Sean uh, and the old producer Sean, who's, a, who's currently sober in uh, Qatar cooking. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, Pete, Pete was on the pod this year. And all yep. of our listeners, mostly, who allow us to do this because it, it is a work, but it doesn't, it's a job, but it don't feel like work. I'll tell you that. So, not at all. Yeah. And um, they're indeed most wonderfully like involved listeners. Like we yeah. hear from you all all the time, and it's yeah. great. There are a lot of pastors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people in the ministry that uh, listen to this pod. Could what be I figured best out behavior. is a lot of these guys apparently don't have a lot to do. In between, so I always wondered what they did between Sundays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> forgive me, Father, for I. Yeah. Are you out there? I'm off to a feeding great the... start. I'm off yeah, to a great you're, start. You're... Angered my coworkers, and uh, I'm now have like a, a, some people who may have a little little tighter communication path to God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sending me Watch to the. Out. Sending me downtown. All right. No, it is an awesome week. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, you know, we talked the other day about how, like, the Egg Bowl sometimes is better when they both are terrible. But then you got to, like, explain to, like, a non-fan, like, why are you so into this 
game between two, three, and seven teams for Mississippi, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it's it's a lot of football to watch. A lot of football. I feel like we've helped build everybody up. I think we've got – it's like calloused hands. We're ready. You're ready. Yeah. We're prepared. We, we put in the reps. Put in the reps. We've sacrificed the whole thing. So, yeah, you got to gotta do all of that, and we'll get to it. But uh, it is rivalry week. Ridiculous things happen. The anger, the bitterness, and uh, we've all been around the country, been at different games uh, through the years. Very, very fortunate in in this line of work. You get to go to a lot of places and a lot of uh, great games. Ross, where are you going anywhere this weekend? Uh, I'm going to USC Notre Dame. So USC, that's out. right. You're going to USC yeah, Notre yeah, Dame. I've covered that in South Bend, not Rivalry Week. Pat and I are going to be in Columbus. But I was wondering if we had, you know, one Something that stands out, particularly hateful or ridiculous moment from being at uh, whatever rivalry game we were at uh, almost every year that just stands out that maybe encapsules uh, rivalry week. And it doesn't have to be one of these, you know, I love hearing the bands or anything like that. Uh, It's more like I saw saw an 80 year old man beat a beat someone with a cane. (laughs) Uh, Pat, you got a rivalry week story Give us for violent me. story. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get um, to the let's get right into the belly of the beast here. Yeah. Well, it's not a violent story, but the, the 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 default image that is burned into my brain from the greatest rivalry game I've ever seen was the kick six game, mm. uh Auburn, Alabama, Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. And in their open air, the old open air press box at Auburn, which was great. And it was so freaking loud as Chris Davis started returning that. And he got to like the 35, his own 35. And I stood up and screamed as loud as I could, he's going to score. <laughs> and nobody could hear me because it was so loud. Um, so exciting. So Pat became an Auburn fan. <laughs> it's like that's how exciting a, the game was, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I became a fan of my story. That's yeah, I'll tell you that. Yeah, right then and there. And but then I was walking out. You know what I'm? You're they're trying to get down to the to the field, and you know it's absolute mayhem. But there was one Auburn fan who's you know like 40 years old, 45 maybe, overweight, and he is skipping down the concourse with two pom-pom swaying back and forth like he's a third grader who just got out of school he is the <laughs> happiest person i've ever seen in my life it was it was like total childlike joy over what he had just seen he was by himself he wasn't by his family but he was skipping very quickly swaying his pom-poms back and forth and i was just like that's the happiest man in america right here right now <laughs> Didn't didn't they later discover like someone storm the field and spread their like someone's ashes on the field? Yes, on that yes. game. Yeah. Oh my yes. goodness, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think somebody had brought the ashes to the game, and then yeah, like you know, they sat right? with them the whole game, <laughs> yeah. and then Grandpa. I mean, that is a, the like the greatest Alabama burial, except for an Alabama <laughs> fan. Yeah. What'd you do with Grandpa? Who spread his ashes after the <laughs> kick six? <laughs> yeah oh man he'd be happy oh man like as a fan is there any place you'd rather be just there it is no blowing in the wind around there and the greatest game ever (laughs) ross i'll get to you my quickly my 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 favorite iron bowl one i took my dad as to the iron bowl once 
uh, and I don't remember what year it was, a little while ago. And uh, we're at, we're at uh, Tuscaloosa, and we're in the stands. And, you know, he's a college football fan. I mean, obviously, we knew this at big games. Neither team was great. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't during the Saban era. But they were good. But we knew how big the game was. But uh, we're, wa- we're there, and they're doing a pregame. And they're showing uh, highlights on the thing. And it's like, uh, you know, and there was a long run. Uh, so they're going year by year of like this, you know, then, uh, you know, whatever. Jimmy Smith ran for 280 and they beat, <laughs> you know, and he showed this guy running through and scoring a touchdown and everyone cheers. 1978, cheer, 19, whatever it was, right? And uh, the end of the Bear Bryant era, there was a long run in that series of of Alabama winning, as you might expect. I think he 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 went almost like ten in a row, so I think it's eighty one. They win and everyone's cheering. Ah, and people kind of remember it and they're screaming. Oh, remember that one? And then all of a sudden they skip like two three years and they just fast forward to like eighty five or something, eighty four eighty five. I don't. I think it might have been only two, but whatever. It's just kind of notable because they were going seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven, seventy. All mm-hmm. of a sudden they skip and my dad turns to the guy next to him. He goes, "Hey, what happened to those years?" And this guy in the just great Alabama accent just goes, Bo Jackson happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, that's one of the greatest lines of respect yeah. <laughs> from a, in a fan base. It was like, we got cheated on the call. It was like, yeah. 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 Bo jumped over yeah. the, it was like fourth and one. He jumps in. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah leaped like yeah, eight Bo. yards. Yeah. Yeah, and that was it. I'm actually, I'll give a quick plug for this. The uh, Bo Jackson book, which I am now forgetting the title of, sorry. Jeff Perlman, who's a great sports mm-hmm. biographer and sports, he's written, uh, you know, that Showtime, they're doing the series on the yep. Laker. He's done everybody. Brett yep. Farr, he's done mm-hmm. Walter Payton. He's, I mean, he's just tremendous. He has a Bo Jackson book out right now. I am reading it. I'm in the Auburn era right now. It is so mm-hmm. great. It's mm. just, he, I swear, is the whole book is him calling random people up. Like, I've heard you pitch to him in uh, junior year of high school, and the guy's like, "Yeah, you got a Bo Jackson? Hell yeah, you hit the ball!" And every guy telling his Bo Jackson story, like these feats. Oh, wow. of, just, it's a great book. It's a very, very, a very, it's a very smart book. Uh, Perlman writes really interesting stuff. Uh, we talk about it, anyway. but my Bo Jackson, I don't know. I, the Last Folk Hero is the name according that's it, to Sean the Last Anderson. Folk Hero. It's great. I mean, it's like stuff like. Boasts in a swimming pool and and like the shallow, you know, it's the shallow end and he just jumps and comes out of the water and lands on the deck <laughs> to impress like these oh, yeah. girls. <laughs> the athletic dismount. Yes, yeah, yes. all this different stuff. Yeah. And like the other guys that are, the, and then he, he doesn't just hear the story. He talks like four people that are there and like this other guy's like, I got no shot with this girl, both jumping out of a pool. Um, anyway, Ross, what's your favorite uh, rivalry week memory? Uh, well, I mean, I, I feel like I, uh, got in, like fell in love with, with college football because of the Egg Bowl, um, uh, growing up on the Mississippi coast and going to that game a few times when I was in high school, that's kind of where I, I fell in love with college football, the atmosphere there, the, the pageantry and the hate and all that stuff. And I, I put together kind of a thread of the Egg Bowl earlier this week. And, uh, you know, for those who who read it, it's going to be a repeat, but I'm going to read a couple of them because it, it's it's just, it is the nastiest, ugliest <laughs> rivalry I've ever been around. And I know that others get more spotlight because the 
teams are more, you know, historically better and, and more blue bloods like uh, the game and the Iron Bowl and all that stuff. But uh, there's just, there's some, there's some serious hate in Mississippi State Ole Miss. There's no pro team. They're, they're historically not very good either team, really. And it all comes down to that game. And, and so it's just, it's just really nasty. And uh, I'm going to go back to, they started playing like around 1900. But in 1905, the first game they played actually in Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi State won and, and uh, Mississippi State students, as newspaper archives go, uh, according to newspaper archives, carried out a full regalia military style funeral for Ole Miss football with a coffin down the street in the middle of Jackson, <laughs> Mississippi after the game. Uh, the, uh, the, the trash talking between the two schools goes way, way back. Back in the 1920s, Duty Noble, who Mississippi State baseball stadium is named after duty noble was former Ole miss coach and then he left Ole miss to coach at mississippi state and while during his later years at mississippi state he once family famously said i already know what hell is like i once coached at Ole miss so, <laughs> uh, in 1926 there was a melee that broke out in starkville Ole miss won seven to six in starkville Ole miss fans stormed the field and state fans, according to uh, news re- reports at the time, state fans beat those from Ole Miss with, quote, cane bottom chairs into the See? chairs splintered on the field. Uh, so it's it's really something. I think the paranoia that around that surrounds this week there, because the school schools are separated by about, you know, like a 90 minute drive or so in in the paranoia of spying is something that's really real. There have been spies uh, at one another's practices during Egg Bowl week for years and years, so much that Jackie Shiro planted these big fir trees around Mississippi State's practice field purposely. Now they're like 30 feet tall. <laughs> and, and the best story, and I'll end it with this, the, like my favorite story is from David Cutcliffe, who during one Ole Miss practice, either in the late 90s or early 2000s, whenever he was there, a like during the practice... David Cutcliffe stopped practice because they were practicing in the stadium. He stopped practice and he pointed to a man standing way up at the top of the, the stadium, dressed in maroon, and said, hey, who is that? You know, get him. Like, we got to get him. Who is that? Who's spying on us? And a strength coach ran up there, got into a fight with the guy, and threw the guy <laughs> over the railing over the stadium, like falling <laughs> You know, 10 feet, or, or not 10, 100 feet down through the guy. Over the you know, on the field, the players gasp, oh, my God, did we just murder somebody at practice? Yeah. Well, right. it was a mannequin dressed in maroon. <laughs> David Cutcliffe, David Cutcliffe concocted the whole thing. It's just, it's just oh, amazing. It, it's just incredible, incredible stories from the end. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, this is taking a dark turn here. Wait a <laughs> The, the 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 strength. I talked to the strength coach for a story a few years ago about it. He said he threw it over the side and he looked over, and there's just like pieces of plastic mannequin all over the concrete, you know, <laughs> draped in maroon. It's good oh, stuff. That's good. Uh, I've told this story about the egg bowl. Uh, I covered one egg bowl, but I, another time I was with my dad. We were in. It was the week before the egg bowl, and we were we stopped for the night in Tupelo, Mississippi. So it was like Saturday night. The Egg Bowl is on Thanksgiving. And so Ole Miss and Mississippi State had played. And we go out to eat at this little restaurant 
it's kind of like a like a Applebee's, like a kind of it wasn't Applebee's, but it was like like up with a bar, but then a restaurant kind of on the side. You know, it's like both. And uh, so we're in there eating, and these guys at the bar start hollering at each other, and like pushing, and all of a sudden there's like a you want to go outside kind of thing, and they go outside in the parking lot. And everyone's like gets up and looks, and like we're like what the <laughs> hell, and they start you know wailing on each other out in the parking lot. And, like God, and and it's one, uh, one. Uh, my dad says something to this one woman, like, "What's what's going on?" Like, "Wow, it's the it's Egg Bowl week." The boys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so fired yeah. up. So they yes, fight. Like, right, this is a little more. Not really looking for a you know that kind of place when you're with your you know with your dad. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it settles down outside. We go back. We're eating our food, and then all of a sudden, so some people come back in, and all of a sudden, all the combatants are back in. They let them all back in the bar. They finished the the brouhaha. Huh? They finished the brouhaha. Well, but then this one guy was really the antagonist, and he gets into it again. Mm. And they go back outside and fight again, like round two. Unbelievable. No, serious. So I'm like, why the hell did they let them back in? They're like, we ain't got that many people to come to this bar anyway. Yeah, I know. So yeah, you can't, yeah, like, these right. are our customers. So they start pushing and whatever out there. And it's not a particularly, these guys are trashed. It's not a particularly uh, ridiculous fight. And there's a bunch of guys there to kind of, but eventually they can't calm this one dude down. So his friends, one of them pulls a pickup truck up and his buddies pick him up and throw him in the flatbed. And then the other guy <laughs> takes off with the truck to get him out of there. Unbelievable. And then they come back in and they're just like, he's got too much egg bowl in him. It's just, you know, and yeah. we're like, what the? Yeah. Two yeah. fights. Two fights. Uh, the game is five days away. Gentlemen, <laughs> pace yourselves. <laughs> this is one of my all-time favorites of a rivalry. It's not a rivalry game. But the Michigan-Ohio State, last year was funny because when Michigan finally won, I remember looking down and people are storming the field. And I see a guy, he's got to be like 65 years old, climbing the wall. To, it's like it's not the student body it's like yeah. this dude can't i'm not sure he's gonna make it over and i'm like this is how this is how excited the michigan fans are like i mean i may die falling over this wall but it's worth it that reminds uh, me of uh lsu alabama this year uh i'm on down on the field in you know they lsu you know beat alabama at the last second and rushed the field first time they did beat alabama at home in over 10 years and I look over, and there is a woman rushing the field in a walker. <laughs> she pushing a walker onto the field during the field rush. Not College advisable. Football. College football. Not advisable. I, and I'll, I'll uh, give this one that's that's great. And I think in uh, Mike Rosenberg's book, uh, War as They Knew It, about the 10-year war, quote-unquote, between Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler is uh, – uh, Woody and an assistant, he he kind of confirmed the story, which I always thought was, you know, perhaps true or not. But he, Woody Hayes and an assistant were up recruiting in Detroit, and they're driving back towards Ohio down I-75, which leads into Toledo. And the assistant's like, hey, we're almost out of gas. I'm going to pull over and get 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 some gas here and they're still in michigan and and hayes sparks at him and says uh no you know we we will not stop and the quote was we'll coast and push this effing car to the ohio line and the guy's like we need gas what he says i'm not giving that state a nickel of my money 
<laughs> Woody Hayes hated Michigan so much or the school up north, he wouldn't buy gas there. Love it. <laughs> Love it. That's, yeah, uh, that's, that was a Norm Stewart special at Missouri basketball coach. It was like they'd go, they'd go play at Kansas. They would not spend the night in Kansas. They would, you know, they stay would not in, board, or Missouri. eat there. Yeah. They stayed in Kansas city, Missouri. <laughs> yep. No money to the Kansas economy. I'm sure the economy was real hurt by the, by the team not you know, <laughs> yeah, eating a meal. Not <laughs> yeah. 25 players. For right. Them. Yeah. Eight pizzas or something like that. All right, so we're going to pick for Race for the Case. Uh, we're going to pick uh, Egg Bowl. We're going to pick Ohio State, Michigan. We're going to pick Clemson, South Carolina. We're going to pick the Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State, which I think they're not calling the Civil War because it's kind. they yeah, kind of have a Civil War going brewing up there. Yeah, they're not calling it that. I don't think <laughs> yeah. they've come up with a new name. I don't know. Yeah, we'll call John it that. Canzano wrote was, was bemoaning the lack of a good name for the yeah. thing now. Yeah, well, I'm sticking with it. Until the shots <laughs> yeah, fired. Yeah, we can call all. it the Civil War all we want. Yeah, I don't care if Oregon took 51 states. Well, I still call it Red River Shootout. still the Red River Shootout, okay? I'm not afraid. Uh, Notre Dame and SC. So we're going to pick those. and we'll have, we'll yeah. do, But I, what I want to do is there's a million games, obviously, is run through. Uh, we'll snake draft it. Let's have a gimmick. And which pick a rivalry game and then pick which team needs the win more, if that works. And if you don't like that, Construct, just pick a rivalry game to discuss. <laughs> don't really care. Who needs a win more? And just pick not those games because we're going to talk about those in a few minutes. So, um, right. Pat, you got a pick? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go in the backyard here. Louisville, Kentucky. Both day, well, Louisville's had a surprisingly good season. They're seven and four. Kentucky's had a disappointing Sorry. season. They're six and five, but still are paying their coach $9 million a year. But uh, Louisville needs it more. Louisville has lost. Let me see here. I, I know they. one of the reasons Scott Satterfield had been on the hot seat was repeatedly being pummeled by Kentucky. So they've, uh, they have lost three in a row and four of the last five. And the last three have been 52-21, 45-13, 56-10. So since Lamar Jackson left, they have been trucked. Uh, and also, given the state of Louisville's basketball program, which very, very honestly could be the worst in the Power Five, they need to win this game. It's in Lexington. They might have the better team. Louisville needs this one more. I was just going to say, basketball is not going to save them this year. Did they score like 30-something points last night? 38. I actually predict. I told somebody they're going to score 36, so they get, did a little better than I thought. Hater. But they also <laughs> you know, gave is- up like 68. This is the negativity of Pat Forty. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. 36. Oh, what a jerk. And then it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. He's still no, I should have been more optimistic and said 38. Yeah, 38. So a little, mm-hmm. little sunnier personality. Maybe we'd have that. <laughs> Ross. Who needs well, I'm gonna, one I'm gonna, more? I'm gonna stay with the uh I'm gonna stay with the egg bowl. You know, almost has won two straight. It's somewhat rare, especially recently, that that one team win several in a row in this game. In fact, Mississippi State has not lost three straight, which it could if it loses Thursday night, since 2 3 4 The president of Mississippi State, Mark Keenum, who is the chair of the CFP Board of Managers and who is the, the SEC, I believe, SEC chair, he, uh, so, uh, so whatever the point I'm making is a very powerful person, and uh, he is not a fan of the Rebels, 
and he brings a coach into every new coach that they hire at Mississippi State, every new head coach of any sport, gets brought into Mark Keenum's office. He gets shown around where there are a bunch of trophies, baseball trophies of the Governor's Cup, where Mississippi State, the, the trophies Mississippi State has won in baseball. There are Egg Bowl trophies. There are all these trophies. And he, this is tradition. Every single new coach, he, he looks him in the eye and he basically says, we're going to have a problem if you don't beat the school up north. So he's, he's uh, you know, Mike Leach dropping to 0-3 would not be good for Mike Leach. And I'm not saying he'd be <laughs> fired or anything, but but going into his fourth year, 0-3 against Ole Miss is not good. So the Bulldogs need this one. And then, you know, with the distractions surrounding Lane, I know it is at Ole Miss, but the distractions sounding, uh, surrounding Lane, I think a lot of people in Starkville believe that they need to, they can win this game. They're able to win this game. So it's a big one for the Bulldogs to go up there and win. Also, a note on the recent Egg Bowl, or somewhat recent Egg Bowl, the last 30 years the two teams have played, the series is tied, 15 and 15 since 1991. Wow. It's it's pretty been pretty incredible. So the, the point is there's, there's not been a lot of winning streaks uh, for either team, and Ole Miss could push it to three, and that would, that would not be good for, for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. It would be painful if you lose to Ole Miss and then uh, the TV report is true and like Lane <laughs> quits the next day, yeah, or, yeah. or by Sunday or whatever, and it's like God, the guy wasn't even all in, and we lost. <laughs> so, and your chance to send uh, send Lane away. Uh, one of the most disappointing things about the Egg Bowl is Leach and and, and Lane loving each other. Yes, like, yeah, yeah no, really, really, just yeah, throwing off because the coaches usually are the ones that incite. That was part of my thread earlier this week. I don't see. I, I don't think I, I mentioned that one. But the coaches of the games are usually the ones that incite the most like vitriol into this thing. I remember Dan Mullen was coach during Ed Bowl week. He put Ole Miss logos in the commodes and urinals in the Mississippi State <laughs> locker room, so you know players could could go on them uh, all week. And then I remember when Jackie Shero came in the league, Billy Brewer, who was the Ole Miss coach at the time. Welcome Jackie Shero into the league by publicly saying that he's a habitual liar. And then Jackie Shero came back with Billy doesn't know what the word habitual means. So that's how they got started with the rival. So the, the coaches have always been so invested in this rivalry. And then Tommy Tuberville, you know, when he was at Ole Miss and Jackie Shero had it out pretty good too, publicly. So there was there was there's a lot of hate there. And now the two coaches love each other. I mean, yeah. they they love each other. They're they have a lot of similarities. They they became friends on the West Coast, and they're both working the Pac-12. I mean, they're they're really tight. So, yeah, it's a little disappointing. A little disappointing. It is. Uh, all right, I, I'm going to go with the Florida Florida State uh, rivalry, which you know some years is just so epic, uh, and maybe we'll get there again. And I'm going to say Florida State needs it more. And first off, Florida State and Mike Norvell have had a nice season. They are eight and three, and they can get to nine and three. Tough losses to Wake, NC State, when NC State was full bore, and and Clemson. But they've rallied to win four straight. It's his third year. It's the first year for coaches at Miami. Everything in, in Florida is about the three schools, right? Miami, Florida, and Florida State. And who can get that edge? And if you get to be the hot program, you can win national championship. Right now, none of them really are. But Norvell has his program far more developed and are winning. And he's a really good coach. He went from three wins, I think, to six to now potentially nine. Uh, no, five. Three, five. Five and seven last year. I think he's calmed some fears. 
However, in recruiting, he is behind Florida and Miami. And, you know, how close, not even really that close. They're getting some guys. So there's this bit where, A, you want to get your ninth win and, and really establish yourself as, hey, we're going we're gonna to win here and rebuild the program. And he's doing that, but he's not seeing the, the amazing benefits that they're getting at Miami and Florida. Florida's eighth, Miami's 10th. These are the rankings. Florida State's 17. Not bad, but not, you know, not full, not what maybe you want out of that state. That, you're always going to recruit well at those schools. They crushed Miami this year. I think it was what, 45 to three or something like that. Yeah, they killed them. Uh, yeah, 45 three. If they, you know, look, nothing helps recruiting more than being able to go, all right, fine. I get it. These guys are the hot coaches or NIL. We're beating these dudes by 30, 40 points. And so if he could pull that off uh, in Tallahassee this week, maybe that helps him close strong and, and, and win the recruiting game. Because Florida State's doing very well on the field, but. Uh, you'd like to see that pay dividends. You won't be losing a lot of recruits to a program you're beaten by 38 points in Miami, and you don't. And and so, uh, I think this would be a big a statement for uh, Florida State. So I'm going with them. Pat, got another one. I agree round with two. you on that one. Yep. All right. Uh, my second round, Tennessee Vanderbilt, which is every bit the rivalry usually of a hammer versus a nail, but. There's some intrigue there, and I'm going to talk more about the game later. But Vandy, if they win, believe it or not, can become bowl eligible after looking just hopeless most of the year, but they've won two straight in the SEC. Clark Lee finally kind of turned that corner a little bit. And so if they can go to a bowl, they've only been to nine bowl games in their history. Guess what their record is in those nine bowl games? 0 oh, and 9. <laughs> They've never won one. So they would have a chance to go to just their 10th bowl game ever. And who knows? Maybe they could actually win a bowl game. So Vanderbilt certainly needs it more than Tennessee. All right. Uh, I'll go with Clemson, South Carolina. This year, you know, this this series has been fairly lopsided of, uh, of lately. But South Carolina's obviously playing really well just off of a big upset win over Tennessee. You know, I don't know that any team needs it. Like, I don't know that South Carolina needs it. I don't know that that its fan base expect it to win. But, man, what an incredible, like, um, dagger to your in-state rival. But to keep – to completely ruin their playoff hopes. I mean, it would just – you know, South Carolina wins. They take Clemson out of the playoffs. But, but they've lost seven straight against Clemson, South Carolina has. They have not won since 2013, which Steve Spurrier was the coach. So they they have not won in a long time. And so in a lot of ways, they do need it. And in a lot of ways, it would be an incredible win that would, like I said, that, that would ruin all chances for uh, Clemson to get in the CFP. So big one down there in, uh, in Clemson. You know, I, I look at that too as like Shane – I mean, that – I agree with you. I mean, obviously, for this year, Clemson needs it more, right? They're playing for more. But Shane Beamer is like nothing would establish the program better than finishing with the Tennessee yep. and then Clemson victory. And in-state recruiting, Carolina uh, had the edge this year over Clemson. I think they signed three really, you know, two or three really good prospects in-state. It's not a, a loaded state, and and I don't know how much Clemson wanted those guys, but still, like, 
in, you got to be able, if you're South Carolina, you got to get good players in your state. And one of their problems now is built trying to build that program is, well, you got this, you got William Christopher up the road there. So, uh, and kids that have spent 10 years growing up with Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. So I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you on that. Searching for NBA playoff coverage. We've got you. The old man and the three presented by BMW gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, along that line of of ruining your rivals, and it's not their arch rival, but it's been a pretty good rivalry, is Texas A&M. They play, they host LSU. And this has been the most disastrous season for A&M you can imagine, obviously. They've been embarrassing. It's been a punchline. There's been discord. There's people saying Jimbo can't coach. They're wasting money. You name it, everything's pretty much gone wrong for the Aggies. You saw the the pictures of like that UMass game they hosted, and there's like thousand people there, like five thousand people in a hundred thousand seat stadium. I I mean, like I get it. I wouldn't have gone either, but holy cow, there is nothing going on for A and M. And yeah, that was bleak. That won't necessarily change. But if they can win and take LSU out of the equation for the playoff and end up five and seven and finish on a high note and have their young, you could at least point to something. And more importantly, not getting run out of the your own building on Saturday. Because if I'm sitting there, those two schools fight in Louisiana and East Texas, particularly in Houston and all that, like, Brian Kelly's walks in and he's, you know, look at this. Look what we got going. I'm the new guy. And Jimbo's been there five years and this program's a disaster. So to me, A&M, they hate Texas more than they hate LSU, but they're not playing Texas. They're playing LSU. They've had the pacemaker punch game. They've had a lot of heat on this rivalry. Don't punch anybody in the pacemaker, please. The uh, They really could use a, <laughs> they could really use a victory here or else – if they get run out again and the crowd leaves, I mean, what an awful ending to the to a, uh, finishing four and eight at AM. They got a lot of good young players, but they should have had a lot of good old players too. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's the only salvaging AM could do at this point. It still wouldn't salvage the season, but it would at least give them something to walk out on without feeling like, you know, they saw literally nothing good happen for their team. I mean, they're, every coach I talk to, like the transfer portal is like they're waiting for the AM transfer portal to just. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to yeah. be like a hell mouth in the middle of co- College Station with half the team <laughs> jumping in it. And maybe you beat LSU and you can, because I mean, that's Jimbo's got to sell to his own guys at this point. Stay oh, yeah. and work. Yep. And, yep. you know, if problem when, when guys are coming for money. It's easy to leave. Yeah. You know, sure. It's just a transaction. Yeah. But they're not, not coming for money. We know that because Jimbo says that didn't. Oh, happen. that's yeah. right. I'm that's sorry. Right. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good mm-hmm. thing they're all there for the love of A&M. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
the right, metropolis of another? College Station. Do one more round. One more. Yeah, round. one more round. All right, lightning round. I'm going with the good old fashioned hate game, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Uh, that was Louis Grizzard's title that he gave the game. I think he even wrote a book to that effect. <laughs> good old fashioned indifference at this point, isn't it? Well, completely, mm-hmm. and that's because Georgia Tech doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. So you would think that Georgia Tech needs it more because they never win and because their program's not very good. But Georgia has to win to maintain playoff pole position. I've said they can lose the SEC championship game and still make the playoff pretty easily. You can't necessarily lose to Georgia Tech and make the playoff. That changes the equation big time. So... Georgia needs to keep its mind on its business here and be ready for the Yellow Jackets. And they certainly have been. I mean, that, again, has not been close since Kirby Smart got it going. The, Kirby lost his first year to Paul Johnson by a point. Since then, 38-7, 45 42-7, 45-0. So he has pounded on Georgia Tech, and he just needs to beat them, beat them by a point. But I have a feeling they'll beat him by more than that. I'm going to go to Arkansas, Missouri, the battle line rivalry, which has only been played, weirdly, 13 times. These two teams played in 1906. Didn't play again until 1944. Didn't play again until 1963. Played them some bowls, it appears, way, way back. And then, of course, have played every year since Missouri got in the league. And Missouri has dominated the series since they got in the league, only losing twice to Arkansas, including last year. But in this one, one team needs to get to six wins. The other's at six wins. So Arkansas six and five, Missouri is five and six. So the Tigers need a win to go to a bowl game and maybe deliver some kind of forward progress uh, with Eli Drinkwitz, who just got a $2 million midseason raise. That was kind of bizarre. Uh, and <laughs> nothing like proving your athletic director right than than beating your rival and punching your ticket to the i don't know houston bowl the shreveport (laughs) bowl independent something that missouri fans will not flock to right yeah they're gonna bring like five thousand people either way but anyway gotta win the game it's at your house at missouri gotta win the game big one for missouri to win i'm gonna go with the black friday game iowa nebraska Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Iowa obviously wins, and they're they're in the Big Ten title game. Kirk Ferentz can can skip off to Indianapolis laughing. Say, look, don't like my son, don't like his offense. We're here, we're here. Mm-hmm. It would be devastating to lose to this Nebraska team, who's shown some fight, but is obviously going to uh, switch coaches, and you don't know what's coming. So it's it's when you got when you got the edge in a rivalry, you got to just curb stomp them. You got to really run it up on them, and and. Uh, I don't believe Iowa is capable of putting up like 50 points, but um, maybe only punt five or six times. That would be a that would call an Iowa blowout. We only punted five times. Uh, <laughs> Iowa blowouts 21. Yeah, 21, seven. 21, 21, <laughs> seven. Yeah, maybe block two punts. That would be the the Iowa blowout. And uh, then we'll see where Nebraska goes. Uh, now, Nebraska, what, what are you guys hearing on this? Like I. You know, you think if Matt Rule wanted it, it would be kind of done or something. Is Dave Dorian like it's been kind of quiet out there, hasn't it? Yeah, he's kept it, it really has. tight. He sure has. Uh, I think part of it is for a while before the latest, you know, five game losing streak, 
that the interim Mickey Joseph had a had a shot at it, but obviously that that's faded away. And so I don't know that Trev Alberts turned the the search into overdrive until it was to that point where he realized, well, I don't know that Mickey's going to be my coach. And I think I feel like that just happened maybe a couple of weeks ago. I respect that. He, that's good. Yeah, but he's been keeping it. T- he has. He's been keeping it tight. I think. I think there was a flirtation, and there there maybe was some discussion with rule he still might be in play according to there's some local reports there was some buzz that he might be back in play dave doran's a name chris kleinman of kansas state's a name lance leopold was a name and then he just signed an extension so yeah i mean it's been it's been pretty it's been pretty quiet but i tell you what I, i visited there like about a month ago i was blown away uh they've got the money nio money especially they've got the facilities They've got the fan support. They just don't have a nearby geographic recruiting footprint. You know, you got to get on a plane to go recruit. I mean, that's the problem. But, but man, they got it all. I mean, it's it shouldn't be a you're in a good division where you can get you can advance in that division. So, I'm I'm surprised they're having the trouble they are. Maybe they're not having trouble, but he he has kept kept it pretty tight. Yeah, there's at least been enough. um, I think speculation or rumbling out there that they they have had some trouble they've been turned down by a few people and uh you know they 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 got on it early they were the they were the the first one into the pool uh we'll see how quick they are to finish the job here at the end but as we've talked about on this podcast just because it says nebraska doesn't mean it's an easy job it's not the kind of place you snap your fingers and get eight great candidates you know fighting each other to get there you gotta sell it a little bit, but it is a great place. They they have no players nearby, and it's freezing cold in the winter, uh, like really cold, 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 like like the way Ross <laughs> thinks Nashville's cold. Like people in like Wisconsin think Nebraska. <laughs> hey, when I was up there in Nebraska, I swear. Now I was up there about a month ago, so it was like what mid October. I got all freaking four seasons in three days. It was insane. I landed, <laughs> and it was eighty degrees. That night, it was like, you know, 60 degrees. The next day, the low was 30 degrees. It was insane. It was a 60-degree, basically, temperature swing uh, in a matter of, like, 36 hours. Like, what is this place? (laughs) Well, you can get it. Yeah, you can get three, four seasons in three hours in Nebraska. It'll come. But anyway, we'll see where Nebraska goes. Um, I think I picked that. Okay, yeah, we're done. Congratulations. Ham-fisted... Give me a good way to talk about some teams. Very quickly, the uh, we're big fans of Maction. The Mac title game has been uh, established. Toledo, Ohio versus Ohio, Ohio. We'll play Toledo versus Ohio. Rockets versus Bobcats in Detroit in a couple weeks. So uh, both those teams, I believe, came through for me this year in my domination of the race for the case where I hold a one-game lead going into the final two weeks. <laughs> so I wanted to get that out there. Congratulations on both teams. Okay, I wanted to get to this story before we pick the games, and you can you can criminal or hero. You can vote. You can vote criminal or heroes. Two college station men, two college station Texas men, are accused of stealing more than one thousand dollars worth of beer from a grocery store. Harold Collins nineteen and Bryce Otis nineteen made two runs. Okay, on September fifteenth. Collins and Otis are accused of putting $364 worth of Twisted Teas, Mick Ultras, 
<laughs> two fireball beer and wine buckets into a cart and then just rolling their way right out of the out of the joint. <laughs> a couple weeks later, they got away with it. They returned and stole, put nine Mick Ultra 18 packs, six Miller Lite 24 packs, 16 Twisted T 12 packs, five Coors Light cases, and five Coors Banquet cases, and then rolled it out. <laughs> Police were able to use vehicle license plates to track them down. When asked why they did it, Collins reportedly told the police they took the beer as a way to provide alcohol to house parties they were attending. Hmm. Remember the beer banded up in Fort Worth, a man with enormously long oh. arms, unusually long My. arms, who stole five <laughs> cases of Miller Lite in one swoop. He's either going to be an NFL rush the, end or a thief. <laughs> or beer, and he got away with it. These guys went with like the getaway vehicle, the cart. Uh, heroes or or criminals here, Pat? Because I mean, they must have had a good party, but uh, now we got two nineteen year olds. Uh, probably not going to end well. Can't you find someone to yeah. buy a beer in College Station? Well, that, you know what? And like, the ambition is incredible. I'm impressed by you know, like, not just we're not just <laughs> yeah. stealing a little, we're stealing a lot, and we're just rolling straight out with it. We're going in underage, and we're coming out with hundreds of dollars worth of merch. So I admire the gusto, but perhaps a little planning and or, you know, caution might have been might have been in order here. So I think they're idiots. They, they There were better ways, certainly, than ending up with their mug shots and they look like well-to-do, nice young men uh, being sprayed around. Because, yeah, I, I found that story and sent it to you, and I, I'm glad we got to it because I've been waiting to, to lampoon these lads. So basically, they stole the beer because they were underage and they couldn't get anybody to buy the beer for them. That's the that's what happened here. I yes, I, I get. Yeah, I don't know. They just. Yeah. I didn't do that in high school at all. I never stole beer out of uh, grocery because uh, I couldn't buy it. No, never. Uh oh. Uh oh. Wow. I, I'll say that they're heroes. I'm going to go with the heroes. Oh, on this one. heroes. <laughs> May have. Uh, May they followed in in the footsteps of uh, of some people, you know, over the years. So. I got it down the second run, seven hundred and thirty eight drinks. <laughs> like that's a lot. Of, that's a good party. Seven hundred and thirty eight drinks. If you go, uh, yeah. each, I I I like their taste. Coors Lights, a lot of you know Miller Lights. We're not. Not going high end. You got to give them that. They weren't like just swiping yeah, a good see, bottle. That's another of, reason of, uh, I'm whiskey. down on them. Yeah. <laughs> None <laughs> of this IP. Yeah, these two. I mean, their parents like, like God, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> you're the only people in College Station. Who, you're 19. You can't find a 21-year-old to buy you this beer. You can't get invited to a frat party. There's nobody. Yeah, busted. The second, I mean, the fact they got away with it once and went back—that's that's, that's yeah. not smart. Eleven hundred worth of beer from HEB. Well, congratulations, HEB Security. You you caught them. You caught them. Call Harold and Bryce. Hope it was a good party. Uh, I say criminal. All right, let's pick these games. Enough of this nonsense. Egg Bowl, Mississippi State at number twenty, Ole Miss Thursday, seven o'clock. Thanksgiving. Don't get too drunk. Make sure you make it through. Ole Miss is giving two. Pat, who you got? 
I watched the Lane Kiffin Twitter storm on Monday night, and I might be making it too simplistic, but his team looked like it was complete disjointed mess on Saturday against Arkansas. They were blown out in an upset by the Hogs. You got a five-day turnaround, short turnaround. It's the rivalry game. You figure everybody is hunkered down, bunkered down, doing nothing but preparing for that game. Oh, no. No, no. Lane's out there in a tweet fight with a <laughs> local TV dude. Doing Lane. So, lack of focus from the Rebels. I'm uh -oh. not seeing it there. Give me the Bulldogs to cover and probably win outright. Wow. Egg Bowl gets wild yet again. Wow. A lot of people in Starkville are more than excited about the recent lane reports and all these distractions uh, with the Rebels. They're, they're pretty pumped uh, about it. I think if this game were in Starkville, I'd, ho I'd, have a different, I'd have a different pick. But it being in Oxford, and I think Ole Miss has a better team, although they may be distracted. But I, I feel like this is going to be a, a close game, but, but Ole Miss – Wins it in the end and, and covers the two point spread. So give me the give me the Lane Kiffin Rebels. Maybe it's his last game. They'll have to carry him out in the pine box. But uh, <laughs> uh, give me him winning his last game potentially as uh, as the Ole Miss coach. This Ole Miss team had their golf clubs outside their lockers oh. last week, <laughs> and I'm not sure if they're going to carry it over to to this game. Ross, you've enlightened me a lot about the Egg Bowl. I know it, it just means more down there in Mississippi, but they, they were so bad against Arkansas uh, that I cannot pick Ole Miss in this game. So I'm going with uh, Mississippi State to cover. Oh, man. <laughs> do, do the ratings go up for this, like, WCIB or whatever this thing is, WCBI? <laughs> like, if you're a Mississippi State fan, you got to be tuning into the John Sokoloff reports if he rattled Lane enough that they, they win the Egg Bowl, right? Yeah, like, sure. Leach has got to give endless sit-down interviews mm -hmm. to John Sokoloff. <laughs> Neither of these teams is playing well right now. I, 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 I'm going to pick, I'm gonna pick uh, Cowbells. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Because I think Ole Miss may have checked out a little. That's a dangerous thing. But, I mean, neither. I mean, other than in the last month, Ole Miss has beaten A&M by three and Auburn by two TDs and got beat by everybody else. They played at Alabama well. In the last month, Mississippi State's beaten Auburn by six and blew out East Tennessee State. Like, neither one's playing that well. They both have nice records, but no one is coming into this game uh, looking that good. I, I'm going to go with Mississippi State, kind of in part that it's their due. I don't know. This is a this is a tricky little game, and I'll take the two points. I think maybe Ole Miss's thing, but I, I don't I don't really love either of these two teams. So there we are. All right, number well, un, unranked South Carolina at number eight Clemson Saturday noon ABC. Clemson fourteen and a half point favorites. That little hook sitting there torturing you mm. uh, yeah, Ross? I, yeah i like i like the the hook the that the fact that the hook is there give me the game cox to to cover that cover that 14 and a half i mean these rivalry games usually often are are pretty tight maybe not this one specifically over the last few years but um but shane beamer has them playing really well clemson's just as we've seen all year kind of not 
you know, not the team we're used to over the last several years. So I think South Carolina at least keeps it close. If not, pulls maybe the upset. I could I could see it happening this year. Yeah, I am uh, absolutely taking South Carolina to cover. I think it'll be close. Uh, I, I'm not sure they win. You know, I still think one of the reasons Spencer Rattler looked as great as he did last week is he got a pretty clean pocket most of the game. That's not going to happen against Clemson. They will be able to heat him up. Uh, and they'll be able to do enough offensively to win the game. But this isn't going to be what has become a standard-issue blowout in this series. I mean, they, they have killed South Carolina five times in a row. They've beaten them seven times in a row. This one will be close. 14 and a half is way too many points, in my opinion. So I've got the... Uh, Dabo will remain the cock commander of the rivalry, but, uh, but South Carolina will cover. Nice line. Uh, in, uh, in college, I took a non-football visit to South Carolina around St. Patrick's day. And I, uh, I, I figured out how easy it is to be distracted down there. <laughs> Columbia is, uh, is something else. So after a huge, huge win, uh, versus Tennessee, it's tough for me to think that these players could be that locked in. And maybe that's just, uh, that, that's just my experience. But I'm going to have to go with Clemson, uh, just based off of the uh, the big time hangover from the from the big win. Sean, who was URI's big rival? What was your hate game at URI? Oh, we hated everybody in the CAA, <laughs> but in state, in state that would be uh, Brown University playing for the Governor's Cup. You play, oh, there you go. They, you guys Four played straight. football against Brown. Yep. Oh man, Brown stinks. Yeah, I would their, think. their hill, their 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 field has a big hill on it. <laughs> Massive stadium. Nobody's ever sitting in it. Weak band. They stink. <laughs> Brown is up on a hill in Providence. It. Is the is the field literally crooked? It might be. It might be. Oh, there's a huge. It, it's they, these Ivy League kids can't get a, a flat field. I don't get it. It, it, it goes. It, it's like a. It's like you're playing a, a huge mound in between the hashes. Just crowned <laughs> in the middle. We're running downhill. Not just. It's not just a crown. It's a. It's a hill. I like Brown. it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Nothing. Not, I mean, throw out the records when URI and Brown are going down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the loser has to ride the Block Island ferry for twenty four straight hours. All right, all right. Where were we? Oh, Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Clemson's defense is is really good, and uh, their offense. I, I, they're going to win this game. <laughs> They're not. They're going to win this game, but fourteen and a half scares me because I, I they've never really pulled away from anybody. I mean, even BC, it took a while, and BC's awful. I, I just don't know that they have the offense, and and South Carolina is just completely it's a complete roller coaster. I mean, yeah, sixty three against Tennessee, they had six against Florida yeah. the week before. Like, who the hell knows? So I think this is a reaction. I think this is a re. No one saw the Florida game. Everyone saw the Tennessee game, and the line has been driven up by. Oh my God! This Spencer Rattler is going to be the number one pick in the draft. Like this is a this is like summer of twenty twenty one. But the reality is, they scored six the week before. They scored ten against Missouri a couple weeks before that. They only beat mm-hmm. at Vandy by eleven. I, I I'll I'll take Clem. I'll I'm going to take. Uh, what am I doing here? What am I saying? What are you I'm doing? Saying? You're arguing against yourself. No. Yeah. 
Screw it. Clemson's winning this thing and covering. I don't care. I'm taking Clemson. <laughs> there we go. Okay. I don't know what I'm so this is how am I leading this stupid thing? I how don't am know. I lead, listen knows. to that pick. That's how bad I am. All right. Civil <laughs> war. That's not a civil war. They just have a nice handshake. No hate. Oregon nine at two number 21, Oregon State. Oregon's given three. Saturday, 3.30, ABC. Important game. Important game. Uh, there's some kind of rubrics out there at the Pac-12. Of I think everybody can still make the, the Pac-12 title game. I don't want to figure it out. It makes my head hurt, and it's a holiday weekend. <laughs> Pat, who you got? Three isn't enough. I'm taking Oregon there. I, I mean, they, remember, they were they were a home dog against Utah. That didn't make sense, and I think this doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless they're still waiting for Bo Nix to be hurt. He played last week. He's going to play this week, and the Ducks have a lot to play for because if they win, they go to the Pac-12 championship game. So uh, I'm taking Oregon to win and cover. I still think it'll be a competitive game, but it's going to be more than three points. Yeah, same same with me. I, I, I think the Ducks cover the three and, and win. I, I think they just have more to play for. Yeah, they, they control their own destiny, I believe. If they win, they're, they're in the uh, Pac-12 title game. And I sense that we could – we could have a little upset the next week too. I, I sense that Oregon USC um, would, would be quite interesting. So give me the Ducks. All right. I think I think that uh, Dan Lanning wants to get to that that nice round number of ten uh, in his first year coaching the Ducks. I think that he will win and cover versus Oregon State in this game. I think they, they could beat him by ten. Oregon State is uh, is very. Uh, Average across the board. Oregon at least has some, some more upside, so I'm going with the the Ducks to cover. Ducks, I got it. A good season by uh, by uh, Beavers, but uh, I'm taking or- Oregon. Number 15, Notre Dame at number six, USC, LA Memorial Coliseum, 7:30 Eastern Time on ABC on Saturday. Trojans giving five and a half. Ross, you will be there. First year matchup between Lincoln Riley and Marcus Freeman. I wrote a column this week about hoping that this becomes like the rare Notre Dame and USC are both good at the same time because they, for 50 years now, they've like, it's like John Robinson dominates, then Lou mm. Holtz dominates, and then Pete Carroll dominates, and it goes back and forth. I'd love to see them both popping. Uh, and this is a start on that. Uh, Ross, who you have in this game? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. I, I've, I've never covered this game i've never covered a game in the coliseum um cool place and it's going to be 70 degrees so i'm uh i'm pretty pumped about about this weekend i think usc wins but man i i i just get the feeling with the physicality of notre dame and the way they've been playing that notre dame keeps it really close and this one's like down to the last play so i'm gonna take the irish actually to cover and uh even though i picked usc to win which Always explodes in my face, but um, we'll see. We'll see this time. But, yeah, give me the Irish to cover that. Yeah, I I have covered this game a couple times out in L.A., and it is one of my favorite games of the year to cover because it's always nice at Thanksgiving weekend to go out to that weather. And the Coliseum is old but so historic, so cool. I mean, you think about the 1932 Olympics being there and the first Super Bowl and everything else, all the great USC teams. So it's great to be there for this one. But, yes, Ross, this is going to be the problem with potentially Oregon pulling an upset in the Pac-12 championship game because Oregon's going to be favored by then because Notre Dame's going to beat USC straight up in the Coliseum. 
Here's the problem for USC. I went to the Utah game, and I saw USC's defense collapse in the second half against a physical run game and a tight end that they could not stop and could not cover in Dalton Kincaid. Well, who's a better tight end than Dalton Kincaid? Michael Mayer. So they got their hands full trying to cover him. They got their hands full trying to stop a Notre Dame run game that's become very potent physically. And they've got, I think Notre Dame has a good enough defense to not let USC just go up and down the field. So I think it's going to be a super game, very exciting. And I can see Notre Dame pulling it out at the end in a thriller. I'm getting a tough read on the Notre Dame fans this week. Normally, they're my litmus test for if they're going to win or lose. Some of them are getting a little too big for their britches going to the USC game, uh, talking about that they're going to you know, beat them, and some of them are still trying to, to fake uh, their humility. So I'm going to go with <laughs> probably who I think is the best quarterback in the country with Caleb Williams to beat Notre Dame uh, by six here. So I got the, the Trojans covering. Let me say this about these, uh, just quickly on the side, the, you know, these awards and their watch lists and stuff. Michael Meyer is not a semifinalist for the Belitnikoff award. I mm. don't know how this is possible. That's, that's an like, interesting He's going to go one. like sixth in the draft. Yeah. Like what, what is it? I mean, I get it. He doesn't have great quarterback. It's just like, are you kidding me? Mm. Like the the number one thing catches. that scares them. I mean, he's caught like more than a third of their passes. I mean, <laughs> it's mm. the whole team. He's yeah. Like, this is their offense. And like literally everyone who plays Notre Dame is like, oh my God, this guy. Like, what are yeah. we going to do with this guy? The NFL is frothing at the mouth. And it's like, you didn't even make the semifinals. Like, how? Like, what? I got him. I'm sure there's, there's some reason, but or some stat you can come up with. But dude, I'll take him. Okay. I'll take him. Yeah. Over. Yeah. I'll take him. This guy is going to be an, you're going to look back and be like, wait, how the hell did that happen? Uh, anyway, <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm picking Notre Dame. I'll just say the only tight end in the country, the only tight end in the country who has more catches than Michael Mayer is Dalton Kincaid because he had 16 for 234 against USC. So wait till Meyer gets a look at that mm. defense and then he'll be the leading mm. re receiving guy, tight end in the country. I am, regardless of this snub, I am not taking Notre Dame in this game. No, uh, USC wins shootouts, and the chief shooter for Notre Dame is Drew Pine. And God bless you, put together <laughs> a heck of a season to get them to this point. But that five and a half doesn't scare me against uh, with USC. Caleb uh, Williams is going to uh, like lock up the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night. Trojans are going to win by more than that and uh, and move on. So I will take uh, fight on USC on that. Uh, I almost forgot. I was moving on to my uh, mentally moving on to locks of the week, and I almost forgot the little game in Columbus. Yeah. Uh, number three Michigan at number two Ohio State. High noon Ohio Stadium. The stadium, the banks of the Ola Tangy. Buckeyes given seven and a half games on Fox. Big noon kickoff. Uh, Ross, who you got? Who seven and a half? It, it it seems a little more. You got that hook there. Mm. I'm I'm gonna take the Wolverines to cover. I I think that they. I think that this one stays close. I think their defense plays well enough to keep Ohio State from making it you know, a shootout, which Michigan probably doesn't want to get into. And I think it, I don't think it turns into a shootout. So I, I think it, 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 
it stayed pretty close. It's decided at the kind of like the USC Notre Dame game decided at the um, at the last minute on the last play. So give me give me Michigan uh, with with the points. I'm with you. I, I, the hook helps me. I'm taking Michigan. I'm sorry, taking Michigan to cover, taking Ohio State to win a close one. I am going to be really intrigued to see whether Ohio State can run the ball at all or even tries to run the ball at all. Their running backs are banged up. The Michigan run defense is phenomenal. If they're all healthy on up front for for Michigan, then I think they're just gonna they're gonna stuff them at the line of scrimmage, and then it's all on C.J. Stroud, who fortunately is really good, and his receivers are the best in the country. So I think that they can win throwing the ball 44, 40, 50 times if they have to, unless the weather makes it a a bit of a slop fest. So I think Ohio State has better talent. The Michigan passing game, I was up there Saturday, and they all said, yeah, we've left meat on the bone. And, and reporters are like, well, yeah, you've left meat on the bone all year. And they're like, yeah, this 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 week the bone, the meat's coming off the bone. Like, <laughs> it's too late, I think, to all of a sudden become a big play passing game. Michigan is what it is by week 12, and I just don't think they have the firepower to score enough to win the game. My other concern for their defense well, I, again, I think they will dominate uh, the the against the run. Is they haven't played many snaps. They're like Georgia's defense last year when it ran into Alabama in the SEC championship game. They go three and out a lot. They're out of the game, and the backups are playing in the fourth quarter. How good a condition are they in? I remember Georgia's defense was gassed in the SEC championship game because they hadn't had to play that many snaps. And I wonder if Michigan mm. could wind up in the same position here. And that could get hard when you're trying to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka. So I think it adds up to an Ohio State win, but a Michigan cover in a close and exciting game that give Dan Wetzel and I good copy. That's it. That's all we're rooting for. I uh, I so desperately want to choose Ohio State in this game, but I know they're at home. You normally give them three, and even in college you give them six for being at home. But I feel like uh, this Jake Moody guy from Michigan, he's just not missing his kicks. So I, I, if they get into that into that in that green zone, that's just more points on the board for Michigan to at least cover, not win. But you put up some threes and then maybe you get a couple touchdowns. You can hang around a little bit just for the cover purposes. Ohio State wins. Michigan covers a uh, couple things here. We're picking this Wednesday morning. Do not pick. Do not bet this game. Don't bet, but if you're going to bet, don't bet until 1130. Follow some people yeah. on Twitter. Uh, yeah. You got to find out the weather for a couple things. Is, is Blake Corum playing? Is Donovan yeah. Edwards playing? Is Luke Schoonmaker playing? Is Mike Morse playing? They need a pass rush on C.J. Stroud. Same time, is Trayvon Henderson playing? And some different stuff. But Michigan's got a whole bunch of guys. Is the wind 15 miles an hour, 18 miles an hour? Is it raining in Dayton so it starts raining in Columbus soon? Or is it not that bad? All big questions that I would not touch this game without it because it will it will go yeah. it'll be a huge impact. So we we do not have that luxury here. I think you guys are letting me be the lone buckeye, and I will take that. Michigan leaving meat on the bone in the passing game. They ain't even they haven't even carved the turkey. <laughs> the whole damn meat is there. Yeah, they're what carving do, it with is, a butter knife. Yeah. What what exactly have they shown? Like a you know a quick out to Ronnie Bell. That's it. Like I mean, wheel route with Donovan Edwards, who may or may not play. So look, I, there's there's a path for Michigan to win this game, and it would be very exciting if they can pull it off. They are going to control the ball. They are going to run. 
the patience and coaching of Harbaugh will, you know, they will take their time. They will, that big offensive line behind uh, Olu Ula Timmy can dominate and things like that. There is a path for Michigan to win this game and cover, but there are a whole bunch of other paths for Ohio State. I would, I, if I had to draw up 10 ways I see this game going, I think seven or eight of them go Ohio State's way. So I am going to take the Buckeyes. The seven and a half is, is I don't hate that hook, which was about five, but I, I don't know, man. I just, something tells me I'm going to see Marvin Harrison Jr. running around Ohio on Saturday afternoon. So I will take the Buckeyes there. So you guys have plenty of ways to catch up to me here. Because you all made some bad yeah. picks, but maybe they'll no, be no. proven right. No, no, you you've left yourself vulnerable after starting the yeah, show. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna like a peacock. I'm not gonna pull the Kirk Ferentz and take a knee so I can punt and just pick whatever <laughs> you guys pick so that nobody can catch me. When, I'm not doing that. When does the race of the case end? When's the finale? Never. <laughs> not soon enough. <laughs> I'll, let's end it last week. I think it's over. Mm-hmm. I think it's no, over. Yeah, no, right. no, it goes through the championship championship next weekend, week, and then, then we, we do a, a separate one for the bowl game. Separate ah, bonus, okay. bonus. I once went thirty-one and four or something in the bowls. It was incredible. Mm. I don't know. No, Some, what thirty-one and four? So, I mean, it's like now. forty bowls. I, I think yeah, it was it's legendary, <laughs> legendary. You you had a, you had one good bowl year. Yes, you I, did. It, it was like thirty-one and four. I was like, it's in the College it was, Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. You go oh down there. There's a little display. That's what I heard. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, pick a pick a pick a lock of the week. My God, a good thing these people are driving long ways to see miserable yeah, relatives. Right. We've gotten <laughs> way long winded. Yeah, this is ridiculous. I blame. Pat. All right, my lock of the week. Yeah, my lock of the week. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about uh, about a dangerous pick? Well, I'm riding with Vanderbilt in my lock of Ooh, the week. Wow. <laughs> hey, they are. A 14-point underdog to Tennessee, according to the line I have seen. I wish it was 14 and a half, but I'll take 14. I think they can win outright. Here's the deal. Tennessee just had its season ruined, all right? They had playoff hopes. They just got thrashed. They are shot emotionally. And then Hendon Hooker got hurt at the end of the game. So they got to play Joe Milton at quarterback, backup QB. And so it is a team with no motivation going up against a team that is playing extremely well and has won back-to-back SEC games for the first time since 2018 and is playing for a bowl bid. And Vandy, as we discussed earlier, never goes to bowl games. So it sets up as well as it can set up for the doors. Do they have the talent? I don't know. Can they cover Jalen Hyatt if Jalen Hyatt you know, is running downfield? Probably not, but can Joe Milton hit him on a deep pass? Joe Milton has overthrown everybody for four years. So give me the doors to cover the 14 and maybe, just maybe, win the dang game. Certified lock. Wow. What a pick. Uh, Jaden uh, Delora is uh, Arizona's quarterback. Might be one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch in uh, in college football this year. He He's just... He's electric. It's not always pretty, but he he he's indicative of college football in general. It's not always pretty, but it's always fun, and it's just a blast kind of to watch him play. Uh, his his stats are <laughs> are are amazing. Last week against Washington State, for instance, he was twenty eight of forty six for three hundred fifty seven yards and four interceptions and one touchdown. So it's <laughs> it's kind of been like that all year with him. He's fun, but what I'm getting at is I'm gonna take. Delora in the Wildcats to cover 
the four point spread, win by four, at least, at least or more than four against Arizona State. Big rivalry game down there in Arizona. It's at Arizona. Uh, Arizona State has really struggled this year. They, you know, they fired, uh, obviously fired Herm Edwards, and uh, in their, you know, falling on hard times. Their passing defense is like. 85th in the nation. So give me Jaden Delore and the Wildcats to cover the four. Certified lock. Yeah, the uh, the length of this pod is going to make me late for the bars tonight, so I'll try <laughs> to be succinct with my uh, drunkest night of the drunkest night of the year in America, huh? Yeah, oh, it will be. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I, I think ready. Uh, I'll take Sean on the over. Uh, 13 <laughs> consumption. <laughs> oh, you'd win that bet. Uh, I'm, going with, I'm going with the Washington Huskies to cover two versus Washington State uh, this weekend. I, I like having a lock of the week happen late night. It, it gives me something to watch and really root for. Uh, and then that that Saturday game is just so much fun. It's it's I'm I'm going with the Huskies. I'm, I think it's full circle. I was picking them earlier in the year, uh, so I'll give them uh, given two on the road. Certified lock. I am going to take Illinois giving fourteen against Northwestern. The over under is just thirty eight. <laughs> That's a big spread for yeah. a low over under. Unbelievable. Uh, Illinois has lost three in a row, uh, all of them somewhat heartbreaking. Uh, the Michigan State upset shocked them. The Purdue game is closed. The Michigan game, they are salty. and uh, But Northwestern's lost all of them in a row, except for their opener against Nebraska in Ireland. Uh, winless they've on managed, American uh, soil. A total, uh, winless. They've won 19. They scored 19 points the last three weeks combined. They're horrible. Games in Chicago. If you know anything about Brett Bielema, first of all, he wants that eighth win. He wants to go eight and four. If you lose the last four, this is a disaster. He's also going to do, they don't have a great offense, but they're going to showcase. This game is huge. They got to end strong. And it means everything to Illinois to win in Chicago or at least Evanston. They'll have more fans than Northwestern there. I think, I think Illinois plays a really good game and really beats Northwestern and make, tries to make a statement on Northwestern. So the 14, does not uh does not scare me. I don't I don't think Northwestern scored a whole lot of points against that uh that crew. So that's it. Illinois minus 14 is my lock of the week. Certified lock. Uh, all right. Hope you all get to your destinations. Uh hope you all have a good Thanksgiving. It's a great time of year. We will be back on Sunday to overreact to all of the overreactions. We really, really appreciate y'all listening, and we'll talk to you later.